Wow. That's a great start to this morning, huh? It's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be in the house of God. Whether you're with us now or, or, or online, I'm just glad that you chose to be here. How many know we have choices to make? We have choices to make. And I know in this room right now that if Jesus Christ was in the natural, walking like he was a couple thousand years ago, he would have such an expression of acceptance and love for each and one, every one of you today. Because God is love. And Jesus was sent as his ambassador on earth to demonstrate the kingdom of love to us. And each one of you would find out that you had value and worth. Not based on what you could do for God, but based on the fact that he created you in his image. That God took you in, in, in your mother's womb and he fashioned you and he knit you together. And he put together a masterpiece inside your mom with a specific plan and purpose for your life. He, he knew that you'd be alive in this day designed for you to bring the kingdom of God on earth that is in heaven. That was his plan. And you are his plan. You're his plan A. There's no plan B with God. It's you. He designed you with purpose and affection and acceptance. And when we learn to live from that position, a lot of the junk in our life begins to fall off. So today we're going to continue our core series on our values. And this month has been on gratitude. This will be the fourth week we focused on gratitude. It's one of our church's 12 core values. And I thought to myself, four weeks? Are you guys crazy? Like how many times can we talk about gratitude in a row before we run out of something? I mean, people like... You can be happy for a week. You can talk about Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Holly. But after a while, people are kind of like, can we move on to something else? Because this whole gratitude thing over and over and over can get a little long. Because if we're honest, we don't all have perfect days. We don't all have days that are, yes, I'm just, I nailed it today. I'm just the happiest person. I'm thankful. I'm, some days, you ever have bad days? And you don't feel like thanking God? You don't feel like a man or woman of gratitude. You know, if we fake it, sometimes it just comes across as inauthentic, doesn't it? If we're, if we're all cheery and our life's completely messed up, people can see right through us. So we're not talking about a fake gratitude here. We're not talking about, oh, I'm just going to do it and do it and do it and do it until I get my breakthrough. That's not what we're talking about. Because I don't have perfect days. There's days that I just don't feel happy. I, don't, I feel down. I might struggle like what Pastor Barry said. He said, sometimes shame will come on you. Sometimes condemnation will come on your life. And you just kind of struggle through the day. You fight to get to the next morning. But the gratitude that we're talking about at Desert Stream, the thanksgiving that we're talking about at Desert Stream, is not based on what you're going through. It's not based on the circumstances of your day. The gratitude and the thanksgiving that we base our life on here at Desert Stream is based on a who. Not the World Health Organization. That's a whole other topic we won't go into right now. We don't base our thanksgiving on what we're going through. We base it on a who. And who might we base our entire life upon? Who might we base 
our good days and our victories upon? Who might we base our horrible days, the kind of days that you get punched in the guts or kicked in the guts and you feel like just falling down and crying yourself to sleep? Who do we base our life upon on those days? See, when we answer those questions, we discover how we can be thankful in all situations. Not based on our circumstances, not based on what we're going through, but on who. So I begin to ask myself, God, why, are, why do we think gratitude and thanksgiving are so important? We know the power of it because we've been taught that. Pastor Kevin, Pastor Bear, they've been teaching us on how to apply it in the power of gratitude and how it affects your attitude and your altitude. It's been very clear. But why? We know what it does, but why is it so important to God? Do you ever ask why questions to God? And I was asking that of God. Father, why is gratitude so important to you? Why has Thanksgiving been at the centerpiece of so much of my life? In my personal life, I realize when I start my prayers, I usually say, thank you, God. Uh, we thank you, God, for this day. I, I don't know why. No one told me to say thank you first, but almost all my prayers start off with thankfulness. No, you know, that's not in the book. I mean, it's in the good book to be thankful and to pray with thanksgiving. But I don't know why. Like, I'd say 90% of my prayers are the thankful kind that start that way. Now, how many of you know there's some prayers that are like this? Help! You're not asking for fancy Greek or Hebrew. You just cry out. There's prayers like that, too. But I'd say like 90% of my prayers are, God, thank you, and then I go off. And then I do my intercession or my petition to God. Why am I so thankful? Is it in my nature? Is it my genetic makeup? Is it, am I predisposed to thanksgiving? People say, oh, you're a very positive person. Okay. I find that true. Is it a spiritual gift that we're thankful? I can't find that in the New Testament. That it's a gift that some have and some don't. Although sometimes you meet Christians and you do believe that some do have the gift and some don't. And then God showed me a twofold revelation about gratitude, and that's what I want to speak to you about. There's two things. And the answer is, why am I so thankful? It's really simple. I'm thankful because I trust God. I'm thankful because in my prayers, what I'm saying is, why I'm thanking him is because I trust him. And Father likes that when I trust him. But it's more specific than that. It's not just that I trust him, because how many know a lot of people say they trust God, or they believe in him, or they have faith in him? But when you meet him, it doesn't really look like it. Their attitude stinks. They don't believe God for anything. They complain most of the time. Yet they say they believe in God, they trust in God. It's probably true. So what's the difference? God showed me a deeper revelation on trust. The reason that I'm so thankful is because I believe and trust that God is good. 
Over here, jazz hands. God is good. See, you can trust in God, that's great, but is, what kind of God is he? Is he mean sometimes? Does he do stuff to me? Am I afraid of him? But if you believe that your trust is in a good God, all of a sudden your prayers change. Because at the heart of the matter, God is good. And that, because God is good, I can thank him all the time. Not because of what I'm going through, but because of who? His character. So trust is based on the goodness of God. And when you know a good God, you can talk to him a totally different, because you're not concerned that he's going to pull a fast one on you. So my gratitude, our gratitude, is the strongest pillar when it's based on the goodness of God. Because who can take the goodness of God from you? No one's going to take the goodness of God from me. You can't have it. It's not for sale. You can't take what God has already put in me. It was deposited by faith, and I had a guarantee of it by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, in here. And no one can have it. I will say that God is good the rest of my life. I don't care what I go through because I know who. Right? People can say, oh, yeah, but this happened. This happened. I know it did, and I'm sorry. But it didn't change my God. He is good. And I am thankful now because I serve a good God. When we base our prayer life on the nature of God, it's a lot easier to pray. When we base our prayer life on what we're going through, we have our ups and downs. But when we begin by thanking him for who he is and his character, we're setting the temperature in the room to enter another faith level. So when we get to asking God for something, we already know who we're talking to. See, your father wants to show off. You ever meet a dad that just is so proud of his kids, he just wants to show off in front of him. I remember going up to the... Uh, the, the county fair there growing up. And my dad was a contractor, big guy, hammers, nails. And I just, he was, my, he was my hero. And at the fair, they'd say, we challenge you. You know, the competitions they have at the fairgrounds, they're all rigged, right? Well, not against my dad. They had a big wooden stump and like three or four 16-penny nails. And you had to hammer each nail in with so many swings. And my dad just smiled. Because back in that day, there was barely any air guns or anything. Everything was by hand. So he just walked up, probably had his cowboy hat on, and he just sunk those nails. One, two, three. Smiled at the guy, and the guy just gave him the prize. That was my dad. See, dads like to show off for their kids. In other words, they like to say, I love you so much, I want to show you my affection by pouring out good things on your life. Because I'm so glad you're in my life. The Father in heaven created family, and he wants to show off in your life. If you know his goodness, he wants to show you his goodness. It's so much fun. I like Hebrews 10, 6. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know God has rewards for you? 
Now, when we diligently seek him, his goodness begins to seep into your life through rewards. And that's not why he loves us. That's not why we're going to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. But how many knows it's good to have a father that likes to spoil his kids and reward them? Are you okay with the rewards of God in your life? Are you going to fight it? Are you going to accept it? Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Are you ready for goodness to track you down and follow you all around? I don't care what country you're in. I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care what your family's going through. But this little goodness buddy's following you around. And you just can't get rid of him. Woo, just goodness, goodness, goodness all over you. You can't do a thing about it except accept it. It's a good news, right? This is the good news that Jesus was talking about. How many of you like food in here? Me too. I remember when I was a young pastor, I was sitting and getting hungry in my little office, typing away. And I heard other people talking about their lunch, and I'm like, oh, I'm a little jealous here. And I was just thinking, wouldn't it be so nice to have a cheeseburger? How many sometimes just want a cheeseburger with a little bacon on it? Well, I did. I was in my office. All of a sudden, I hear this door. I look up. It's uh, our church secretary knocks. And she goes, hey, Mark. I said, hey. She goes, you know, I ordered lunch for my husband, but he got called in for a job. And uh, he's not going to be able to eat it. I was wondering if you would like his bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> it was one of those big, hot ones from Dairy Queen. And it was in that little case, and you open it up, and the cheese is all over the place. And I looked up at the heavens, and I was like, God is good. I mean, this guy loves me. I mean, Pastor Sherry's done the same thing. All of a sudden, I get a phone call. Hey, do you like soup by any chance? I'm like, are you crazy? I love your homemade soup. She goes, well, I was just thinking, and I had some extra, and I was thinking of it. Can I drop some soup off for your family? Ah. It's like a love language. The sixth one is food, if you're into that thing. It's the goodness of God in the land of living. It's these little things that God says, I'm watching out for you. I've got your back. I remember the day when my nonprofit director in Seattle was sitting in the car. I was this close to being fired because I couldn't meet my fundraising numbers. And I knew that, and she knew that. So we had a little business talk. She said, we've got two options. One, we cut your income in half, and you go part-time, and you try again. Option two... You and your family move to Africa, and you guys can work in Uganda and keep your halftime salary and do the work from Africa. I was like, what? Didn't see that one coming. So I came home, and I told my wife what the options were. And when I told her option B, she began to tremble. I remember tears. I remember she was really hard to keep her legs underneath her. She was using all of her strength. And why is that? Because that was one of the dreams of her heart that God had given her as a teenager in this city, Africa. And we just were asked to go to Africa, and they would pay to send us. That's a good God. That was Katrina's dream. She waited 20 years for that one to come to pass. She didn't have to do anything except say, yes, I'll go. You see what I'm saying? The, the, the check was written. The invitation was sent. 
the goodness of a God tracked her down. That's the kind of God we serve. And right before that happened, let me tell you, it was a low time. Have you ever been in a low time? You ever know the lows? Okay, let me describe our lows. Have you ever been here? We were low on friends. We were low on money. We were low on square footage. We had one of those dingy basements in Seattle, apartments. It was so small we couldn't invite people over because you couldn't fit in the living room. And we were definitely low on sunlight because it was Seattle. It was gray all the time. It's kind of depressing. That was the atmosphere that we were in. And if we would have focused on our circumstances, we would have not known or been able to receive the goodness of God. But God never changed when we moved to Seattle. His character and his goodness were no different than when we owned a house and we had double income in a bigger city and a bigger house with lots of light. God is good all the time. What are you basing your life on? Your circumstances or on the character of God? You can base your life on circumstances, and it's really popular now. I feel this way. I feel that. I'm going through this. I know you are, and that's okay. Tell your best friends. Don't put it on social media, though. That's what friends are for. Tell your close friends your troubles. Not everybody. Or you can base your life on the character, the word, and the truth of who God is. And then you can say, I'm going through a lot of crap, but I am a thankful man because my God is good. And my dad loves me. He's reserved a place for me. He's put a guarantee of blessing on my life. He's going to restore it. He's already seated me in supernaturally heavenly places. And he said he would restore all things to me. Even things that were meant for evil are going to be turned around for good in my house. Pretty soon you feel a little better. People say, why are you happy? Why not? Because I'm not basing my happiness on how I feel or what's going on today. I'm basing my happiness and my thanksgiving on who I'm in relationship with, the God of the universe. Psalms 74, 15 says, The day is yours, the night is also yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. You have set all the borders of the earth. You have made winter and summer. See, God isn't afraid of the night. Psalm 139, 11, 13 says, Surely darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. What I'm trying to say is the circumstances don't matter because guess who made dark and guess who made light? God. It don't matter what you're going through. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter because God made it all. He gets it. Matthew 5, through 45 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. The nature of God's goodness is consistency and faithfulness. He's not looking at your little box of how many times you sin today or not. You're going to have to deal with that too. 
but it doesn't change his character. Remember, his covenant is towards you through Jesus Christ. Covenants are not based on the other person's performance. A marriage covenant is not based on the spouse's performance. The marriage covenant is based on the spouse choosing to agree to live a life together by faith and choice. It's not a contract where you have to keep up your side of the bargain. For better or for worse, for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I'll have no other woman before me or behind me forever except the one. That was our deal. That's my side. How she interacts with that is not the reason how I fulfill my side of the covenant. I just do it out of faithfulness and love, and God will do the same for you. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he, will he not make good? See, God's trustworthy. That's when I pray, I'm thankful, because I know who I'm praying to. He's trustworthy because he's good. And if he says he's going to do it, God will do it. And I've told you this before. When I was leaving the Tri-Cities and I was speaking there, and God asked us to resign. We had zero jobs. The job I had canceled, so we were quitting. It was Saturday night, and Sunday morning we were saying goodbye to the church. We were going to have to just tell them that God is faithful and we'll figure it out on the road. You know, Abraham did that. He just left and followed, and God had him figure it out on the road. So Saturday night comes. I get home from prayer. My wife and I are there with a few friends. It's, it's over. It's time to say goodbye. And then the phone rings. You know how people say the 11th hour? Well, it was about 9.30. It's pretty close. The phone rings. And guess what? God says, no, 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 no. Remember that job that was canceled? Think again. We just rewrote the whole thing. The board met. The director met. They changed their mind. They couldn't understand why they were hiring me. They said, we don't even know why, but we can't not hire you. We have to create a job for you. We don't know why, but we're going to do it. Will you take it? I said, excuse me? You just said no like 20, 36 hours ago. And they said, I know. We changed our mind. We say yes. Will you say yes? That was like, like 9.30, 10 p.m. at night. The goodness of God coming through. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is the goodness that we're talking about. I am thankful because my God and the God of the universe is good. No one can take that from me. The second half of that pillar, so that's what, what I was saying when I began. There's two pillars holding up the goodness of God. The first one, Excuse me, the, thank, the, the gratitude of God. First one is his goodness. We, that's what we talked about this morning. The other one that is so wonderful and it's even deeper than the goodness of God. I ask God, okay, so you're good. This is so wonderful, but where is this leading? And God showed me the deeper thing that is under his goodness. is his unfathomable, unsearchable, full of mercy, full of forgiveness, his unconditional, complete, and utter love for me is the next level. It's hiding 
right underneath the goodness, and then the goodness produces thanksgiving. So when you're a thankful man or woman, it's because you know that God is good. And you know that God is good because he loves you. See, his entire existence is based on love. The goodness of God is based on the character of his love of who he is. Love develops into the, shows itself in goodness. Goodness produces gratitude and thanksgiving. So today, as we conclude, I wonder if you're open. This is kind of one of those dangerous prayers. Because God is real. He's not, this is not a, a religious activity. This is more like allowing God come into your house. And that's when you prepare yourself and say, okay, God, the Bible says that you're good. The Bible says I ought to be thankful for that. The Bible says that you are a God of love. And the beautiful thing, as I close in Ephesians, says this about God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And going up to verse 17, uh, this is um, chapter 2, I believe, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Everyone say, passes knowledge. See, the love that God wants to show you passes knowledge. How many of you uh, have heard that God loves you? Now, how many of you experienced the love of the Father? I'm talking so much that you can't even talk. You probably end up crying, falling down, because it's like, it's not, it can't be that good. That's what I'm talking about right now. We can know it, and we should, and we should study it, and we will, and we'll be transformed. But how many know there's a promise in the Bible that says it's going to pass knowledge and you're going to actually experience it just like you would in the natural with your own friend or your own father? That's the kind of love that God wants to put in your life. So let's close in prayer. And if you want to risk it, I say risk because when you dare God to reveal his love to you, watch out. I'm not going to say it's going to be all sunshine and roses because when God's love shows up, it wrecks things. It'll wreck a lot of junk in a clean house. When God's love shows up, it changes everything. So you kind of have to step out in faith and say, okay, let's do this thing. Let's get real with God. So can you stand with me? If you want to, you don't have to do that prayer. It's, I'm, I'm saying this is a big prayer. When you invite God to give you a revelation of his love, things get real. He's going to come from the theoretical into the natural, and he's going to show you things spiritually in your life. You can expect it to start today. So, Father, here we are. We know that you are good, and we declare that your goodness is based on your unconditional love that you showed us through Jesus Christ. And so those who are ready in this house, those who say, okay, those of us who are online that say, okay, I'm tired of fooling around. I'm ready for a revelation of the Father heart of God. I'm ready for God's love and all that comes with it. I'm not going to base my life just on what I can understand or feel anymore. I'm going to base it on the supernatural encounter with God. We, in Jesus' name, we open up our spirit and soul and say, Welcome, Holy Spirit. Go ahead and tell him. Say, Welcome, Holy Spirit. 
Welcome, Father. Welcome, Jesus. Make a home in me. And show me how much love you have for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. And I'm so excited to keep going. And so we are so excited to have you back. And know next week we're going to have our trunk retreat and all that kind of fun stuff. So we'll keep you in touch. We'll send messages. But if you need prayer, if you need something today, then please come forward for that. But otherwise, God bless you and have a great week. Thank you.